Welcome to the Imperial Many Minds podcast from Imperial College Business School. I'm your host, Dr. Omar Merlo, Associate Dean of External Relations at the Business School. On this podcast, we share conversations between our expert faculty and global alumni network in business. From the role compassion can play in the business world, to the economics and finance of climate change, from digital transformation to sustainable development and social responsibility, our diverse minds are tackling the questions that matter. At Imperial College Business School, our unique strength is the ability to gather a diverse range of experts. This gives us a broader, deeper, and more cohesive view of the challenges society demands business take a lead on and enables us to design more expansive and groundbreaking solutions. On the Imperial Many Minds podcast, the world's top academics and industry experts will help you find the ideas, skills, and confidence to make better decisions, whether that's in relation to your business or your career. Are you ready to join today's meeting of minds? This second episode dives into the realities of gender and racial representation in corporate leadership. Diversity has increasingly been made a priority when organizations hire new talent, but there is a long road ahead and biases to overcome. Data shows that diversity decreases when companies underperform, when in fact, investing in professionals with a diverse background would increase the organization's performance. I am delighted to introduce you to our guests, Dr. He Jung Jung and alumnus Shiragamin. Dr. He Jung Jung is an assistant professor in the Department of Management and Entrepreneurship at Imperial College Business School. Her research focuses on social evaluations that promote or obstruct diversity and equality in organizations, with an emphasis on corporate leadership. Her research has been featured in major Asian, North American, and European media outlets, including Time Magazine, Fortune, and Forbes. Our guest alumnus is Shira Gamin. General Manager at Johnson & Johnson's Depew Synthes in Japan, previously in Singapore. He graduated from the Business School's Executive MBA program in 2013. He's been with Johnson & Johnson for over 17 years and worked his way up to manage the Asia-Pacific market. He's a healthcare professional with experience in sales, strategic marketing, regional leadership, and profit and loss management. Why is it critical that boardroom members represent the diversity of society? During this episode, we'll hear He Jung and Shirag advocate for the inclusion of people from different backgrounds in organizations. But not only that, they want to reframe the way diversity and representation are perceived. Instead of being a factor to include in hiring practices, they argue viewing it as a strategy to increase a company's performance would be a game changer. Their conversation was inspired by the article written by Dr. He Jung Jung entitled How Underperforming Companies Derail Diversity in the Boardroom. If you'd like to read it, you can find the link in the episode description. He Jung and Chirag begin by highlighting the advantages for companies who hire decision makers of different backgrounds. I think there are two, two clear benefits behind the board diversity. The first, directly to the firm, the diversity among directors bring healthy debates and often lead to better, less biased, and innovative decision in the boardroom. Not only that, a lack of diversity among board members can make firms not to source a kind of various range of views and voices, which is an important instrument to actually their strategic change, um, and also innovation, and hence improve their performance. I think when the decision makers at the top levels are too similar to each other, it is for them to actually use groupthink, which we actually blame for bias decision, some very silly um, strategic choices. It's because they don't listen to the somebody who has a completely different view from them. 
uh, if you have all similar backgrounds of people in the boardroom, I mean, this group thing happens more often, and hence the board diversity would make the board think and hear more various views when they decide their uh, important key strategic changes. Secondly, and simply and fundamentally, it reflects the real world, right? Look at our population, look at our working populations, and why won't we look for the great talent in their leadership and which we spend lots of energy and money and why they look at only subset of the population, which is white male, rather than women and racial minorities or somebody from the different social class, right? And so what we are looking for, the great talent that we have to search the entire pool. And that's actually beneficial for not only for the firm, but entire corporate ecosystem and society. I think the paper really sums it up incredibly well. And your answer there also hits all the major points. You mentioned performance, and I think that that's probably the most important factor here. You know, the varying opinions and varying perspectives that can be brought by having an open mind and a view to having voices that can be heard that, that, that see those perspectives that, you know, in that groupthink environment or when you have too much of a similar mindset, I think, I think it, it opens doors to improving performance. And I think that's pretty much the, the key here. If we can keep the conversation around diversity focused on that big output being improved performance, I think we move to a place that is incredibly productive and is valuable for all organizations and ultimately whoever the end user is of, uh, of, of the company's products or services. Adding on Chuck's point, if I may, you know, seeing the consumer profile is very important. These companies are selling their product and service to women and racial minorities and different social groups. And not having them in their decision room, how they can be sure that they reflect their consumers' needs and real needs and authentic needs. Right? In that manner, also the word diversity is definitely very important, especially for improving the company's um, performance. I think it's a good. I think it's a good point, He Jung. I think that also making sure that everybody at the table has an opportunity to voice their voice their thoughts in a way that's re- that's easily received. You know, I've seen examples um, in in many situations where. You know, you do have a really, really robust mix of individuals, both like whether it's gender or, or race or just different demographic backgrounds um, that are that are at the table, but don't have a voice. Right. But I think uh, I think trying to marry those two things together are very critical to ensure that you do actually get that output. It, totally. I think that's the some of my research evidence actually kind of supports what you just uh, explained, that when the boardroom and they have female or racial minority chair, which has, who has power, right? And they kind of, um, against this drawing back from the diversity because for here, they care about all different voices and they, uh, capture those even better. And so I think that it's not only about making a diverse board, but whether they have power to speak up. I think that's really important. Heejang's research shows board diversity suffers when companies are going through difficult times. Do you find this surprising? It doesn't surprise me. And unfortunately, I think it's a pretty reasonable reflection of where we are on the journey. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's, it's not the end state 
that we we all want or that is right for 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 businesses but we are on that journey and i think awareness is one of those core factors to be able to make sure that we keep moving we keep identifying the areas for improvement it's um you know i i think you know on reflection reading reading the 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 research you know what are the factors that cause individuals to just bunker down and you know there are times of adversity where knowledge implicit knowledge of a business or a area in which you work becomes very critical now sometimes that implicit knowledge leads to the disasters that that uh, that cause the challenges in the first place but in terms of trying to fix situations i think it's reasonable for individuals to look for experience and expertise in the domain that they run their businesses in and unfortunately what that often means is that you end up fishing from the same pool of talent so, you know, if the talent pool is biased already, you're just going to get more of that representation of bias. Now, if there is more awareness around this challenge and the advantages that come from maintaining a bit more of a diverse perspective, then you have a fighting chance of being able to manage that situation. But there's some disadvantages for bringing in differing opinions in times of crisis as well, right? So, at points where you need to create create great alignment to be able to move forward on on challenges you know you've got to be able to bridge those gaps quickly so i think you know recognizing that there may be also some complementary work that's required to bring teams together in those early stages to be able to find a mutual respect for one another early enough in the process is going to have to be critical to maintaining the power of that diverse board, particularly in those challenging times. I think that I should invite the Chirac to my research team. <laughs> I think that his point and his uh, uh, solution he just mentioned is something that I really wanted to tell from the study and then something that I'm actually going, uh, I'm actually trying to do as a my follow-up study. Um, for me, it was quite surprising. I was expecting, but it was still surprising, especially after I was talking to the directors and chair of boards in my data set. Uh, what they say during the crisis time or performance downturn, what they need is diverse perspectives and different views and which they can use to mend their problems. So what they are looking for is you know, various perspectives and different view, but they are looking for that within a very familiar set of the directors, which is normally white male in our data set. Um, what is really shocking for me is that if you see uh, the working population in US, for example, uh, the women and racial minorities often have completely different expertise from the white male directors. And so they have very easy solution to bring women or racial minorities to solve the issue, but they have wanted to solve this issue through uh, hiring those people they are really familiar with. And so I think that's why the, we call the research title is, you know, the just diverse among themselves is that what kind of diversity, what kind of different views they're looking for is quite surprising in that sense. Chirac's point of point about having the trusts and the well-connected things from the beginning with other directors is extremely important because board of directors in the crisis time, again, that they want to go for somebody who is familiar because that's kind of, 
you know, natural human mindset. You want to be in the safe net, right? And so if they don't have those bones and only on with, you know, racial minority directors or newly hired women directors, then in the crisis time, they feel like, oh, this is not the way to go, right? And so they cut it off. And again, most of company will experience this moment. And then whenever they have that, and without having this close bond, then they will lose those women and racial minority directors easily. So I think, I think the, uh, you know, the, the education around bringing new teams together and getting them to a point of high performance around forming, storming, norming and performing. That's, that's kind of like in a crisis situation, it's a double whammy, right? So you're already in a storm because the business may be having its, 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 its own issues. Um, to then bring a completely new team together adds a storm within a storm. But is it the right storm? You know, there's a, there's an argument for, you know, do you take all that pain in one go and really give yourself the best shot to fix the situation? Or do you go sequentially? And I think, you know, your research and certainly some of my observations show that, you know, taking the bold steps and actually following through on on making sure you have that diversity that that openness of communication um and uh, and thinking to make the right decisions particularly when times are tough is is critical and i think we need to be clear that diverse opinions does not always mean conflict if it's handled the right way it's uh, it's 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 different perspectives and points of a conversation that re- that that really demonstrate a, a deeper understanding of the situation, right? The more information you have, the better your decision is going to be. Totally. I think that sometimes during the crisis, the one of the mistakes the companies are making is deciding too quickly and without having much of thoughts. So they just draw one strategy over the other strategy and see whether this is working, right? And so that's not happening very much when there is a lot of opinions and there is somebody who can stop it, right? And so I think in the crisis, and, and the data shows that um, having women or racial minority in their board is not hurting the performance or it's not hurting the brain, uh, the solutions, right? And so having this, cutting this, uh, you know, valuable people during the crisis actually m- maybe, because I can't tell from my data because we didn't study yet, but we don't know whether that's actually making them to doubling down. We, we don't know. Um, but that's something that, you know, that my study um, is implying in some sense. One thing I was quite surprising during my research is that these directors, they are very nice for people and they care about diversity and they do not know they are actually cutting off the female or racial minorities. They are all nice human beings. They, they, they care about diversity and inclusions. So again, that this is not about the intentional fire or is intentional hire, but it's again about human behavior that I want to be in the comfort zone, right? In my view, that preparing this bond and familiarity between you know, the new members and, you know, the existing members, especially if the new members are from the different social groups or different, uh, uh, you know, demographic backgrounds, the building that bond is very critical. Is a lack of diversity in the boardroom only a problem at underperforming companies or is it a wider issue? It's universal. It's not only in the States and European corporates. Most of your 
copper, uh, com- uh, countries, especially when they don't have this uh, diversity quota, for example, uh, like Norway and Sweden, uh, and Asian corporates, it's even worse. Uh, my data showed, at least in the listed manufacturing firm in the state, there was no single firm whose board has female or racial minority as a majority group. Non-single company. And Europe saying, and Asia even worse, as I mentioned. The thing is that we identify underperformance as a critical obstacle to achieve board diversity. The reason may be it's really universal is because that every single firm, they at some point experience performance downturn. It's not only about they are in the crisis. And my data shows that when your performance is slightly lower than last year, even the competitors, they cut this uh, racial minority and women directors, right? And so whenever they have this internal uh, working force to improve the performance, the diversity becomes less. And definitely these drivers would make this uh, lack of diversity issue more wider and universal. So I, I agree that this is not a exclusive challenge. I think uh, I think all companies benefit from having a better degree of diversity representing the key decision makers in the organization. So it's not just the problem or domain of uh, of companies that are going through challenges. And as uh, He Jung describes, you know, it's not major downswings that we're talking about here. It seems as though you know minor um, dips in performance can create this this challenge so that was actually actually i reflect on 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 my, my previous answer but actually that part was a surprise to me amongst the amongst the, the the broader headlines that it's even small dips rather than like you know big turnarounds that create some of these these issues so it doesn't doesn't surprise me that it's uh, a challenge across many 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 businesses in many areas i'd echo the, the point made around asia so my perspective at the moment is is squarely based out of asia pacific but very specifically now in japan and in terms of reflections of the the you know the external market japan is a very homogenous society and it's it's very clearly known to be that I think um, the last round of estimates that I was reading is that the percentage of foreigners in Japan are close to about four or five percent. I can't remember the exact the exact number, but it's pretty low. So, in terms of representation on boards, you'd you'd expect the uh, you know minorities to to be low from a from a different racial geographical background. From a gender background, you know, there's other there's other factors. Uh, macro factors that uh, that influence how many females are in the working population. You know how in society is the is the role of a of a female uh, understood. You know what is the role of of uh, leading the family versus leading an enterprise. How is that perceived? And I think that these factors do factor in a little bit to the to the demographic and to the overall population that you can draw talent from. So I think there's there's compounding factors that sort of conspire to maintain the status quo but it's equally those factors that mean that we have to be hyper conscious of, uh, of of injecting a bit more diversity in in terms of our, our onboarding of talent and i'd say that i'm quite fortunate within j&j that the company is very mature in its thinking in that in that regards 
And, you know, in terms of my, my role on the board, board here in, in Japan, part of the appointment is around making sure that we have a different perspective. So, you know, I, I'm an Indian in, in Japan that grew up in the UK that also spent time in, in, in Singapore. So, you know, all of that, all of these things are seen as valuable perspectives. It doesn't mean that what I'm saying is, is correct all the time, of course, uh, far from it. But, um, but being able to have a broad discussion about topics is, uh, is something that, that it is actively encouraged. There is a couple of things I would like to add, uh, to, uh, Charles' point. The companies in general, they are, uh, one group dominant. In the States, it's going to be white male. In Asia, it's going to be made, you know, the same nationality and, Perhaps is male. My research is that on the performance is making them to slow down or stop for a while and then going back. So compared to the what we are trying in terms of regulations and academics and corporate leaders like Girard and the great mind like, you know, companies who has those initiative, still whenever they have performance drop, then this initiative stops. I think that was the problem. And hence the universal problem is still there. And we don't know how quickly we can actually solve that issue because of this internal driver, which is quite strong motivation. I mean, there is something very human about, you know, in a difficult situation, you fall back on the stuff that you know, right? So again it's it's not it's not a surprise um per se but the magnitude of that challenge was the surprise right it doesn't have to be a big situation it's just like a small change or some small downturn is enough for everyone to say okay let's uh let's go back to what we were doing before that's predictable we know what we we know what happens there and it, and it's you know and, and unfortunately it seems as though most people don't what actually happens is is a is a is a compounding of the negative Totally, Chirag. I think it's really interesting that the trigger point is very small. So for example, like your revenue last year is 100 million and this year 103, then you feel safe, right? But when it becomes 98, uh-oh, we have a problem. <laughs> we are in danger. And then they start to cut back this diversity. That's the problem. When you are in a huge crisis, I know that you have to maybe facing the bankrupt. It's not the situation. Whenever you have a small downturn, then you're looking at your human resources and leadership and then they fix it. I think that was a big issue because that's happening to everyone. Where do you think the blame lies for the lack of diversity in boardrooms? Should we attribute blame for the lack of diversity? And if so, where does that blame fall? I think blame's a very emotive word. So, you know, if we're, if we are on this journey together, I think the important thing is to acknowledge that we are moving to a better place and really getting to that destination isn't always about saying it's your fault. You've got to diagnose the situation, but assigning blame is maybe a challenge to being able to continue on, on the path because sometimes that can cause people to kind of bunker down a little bit. So what do I think? contributes to the current situation. And I think that it is very much around experience and what a company or companies determine as being valuable experience to, to help support their 
their you know their their businesses or their growth agendas and um you know i feel like domain expertise um typically is one of those those areas that is that is at fault the idea that knowing a business intimately will generate immediate connections to the environment and therefore allow that individual to make better decisions it's not an unfounded uh idea but it does very much limit you to just people that are currently experienced in the space that you're interested in. So it's okay, I think, if you're in some blue ocean territory and you're looking at pivoting the business into, into brand new areas. And I think you can cast the net very wide at that point uh, to bring in talent from multiple backgrounds. Um, but if your business is pretty well established and pretty well structured, or in fact, very niched, you know, those, uh, those talent pools can be can be quite challenging. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that we are where we are right now because those talent pools will take years to organically adjust themselves. So the question is, what can we do to accelerate those talent pool adjustments? And I think that, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's onus upon us to start looking at what the performance criteria we are looking at, um, all that matter the most and start to really define jobs by where you want to where you, where you want to be, not necessarily by where you have, have historically been. And some of that is going to be about maintaining some element of experience, but not everybody on the team has to have the same background of experience. You know, what are the other gaps that you need to close to be able to get you to that point quicker? And I think that those kind of performance mindsets are the ones that are going to allow us to start really bringing a bigger group of people together that collectively can start really supercharging many businesses. I have a similar view with the track. The first, I do not want to use the, the word of blame. I think it's, uh, it's kind of more, um, I, I'm not saying inevitable, but it's kind of, you know, natural reaction sometimes. Of course, there is some racist or there is some sexist. We're not talking about that. Most of leaders and directors have a great mind, but we are human being and that we humans are very good at categorizing people and making someone like me and somebody not like me, right? And so whenever they are in a crisis, it's kind of human nature that they want to be with someone very similar because they feel trust and easy to communicate. And they also believe, without knowing whether this is true or not, they believe that they can actually make a quick consensus too, right? And so this is a human reaction. Now, what I can blame, if I have to use the word of blame, is that as a leaders in the corporate, we didn't make uh, yet much of efforts to make how we can actually remove those categorical boundaries between these people and that groups, whether how much they actually make them to uh, wear the true value of the, the other groups they can bring in. Rather than this is kind of social service or this is kind of good campaign they have to achieve. If they don't acknowledge the true value that diverse, uh, member of boards bring into the boardroom, then this is really difficult to solve. So it's not about blame, but this is something that there's still room to improve in terms of what they can do when they talk about board diversity. It's not only about bringing the people in, how they're bringing, how them they actually interrogate other people. What needs to change in the business world to improve board diversity? I think that the foremost, I think the business needs to make the greater efforts to make the boardroom culture the more inclusive of 
underrepresented directors. I mean, they can do this by increasing their awareness of the true value, as I mentioned. Um, the directors from underrepresented group like female or again, the racial minority or from the somebody who's from the different social group, what they can bring to the boardroom. Their views and perspectives are very likely different from them, you know, the existing ones. So they have to value it rather than, again, this is not about social campaign or this is a social, um, you know, corporate social responsibility. They have to do it. It's about the true value. Otherwise, whenever they face the crisis, they will stop doing this. Also, there should be a lot of uh, culture or um, the strategy or tactics they need to actually make the bond between directors or like, you know, not even, you know, director levels, any employees actually they are hiring, that they have to get familiar. These are not the different people, but it, it should happen not only in conscious, uh, you know, mindset, but it's also unconscious. They have to have like culture to build, you know, there is not much of a difference between them and the others. I think without having those culture, I think it's going to be a ongoing issue, which is really difficult to solve. I think that that togetherness was something that I was I was kind of speaking about a little bit earlier as well. I think you've got to make it easy, right? The the onboarding of uh, of, of diverse talent then has to have this secondary layer of bringing teams together. But accelerating that process is is absolutely critical to making sure that you know that that output, that great performance potential is realised early on. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer, in, in, and in fact, my experience and observation is that as soon as teams click and they get their first win under their belt where they say ah oh, this is why this is this is exactly why we need a bigger group of uh, of diverse people that's that's when it becomes very organic it becomes just the the, the you know the new culture of the of, of the organization i think practically improving board diversity or diversity at any level within an organization is about making sure that you have talent represented during the interview process and i think that you know, making sure and very consciously ensuring that anyone that you are shortlisting for roles has, um, you know, a sufficient representation of the society that we're in or that we want to serve. You know, these, these things are, these, these, these things are like going to give you the best shot at finding alternative talents that maybe would have unconsciously been, been missed from, from, uh, from, from, from the processes. So that diverse slate early on almost as a mandate before you even go to an interview stage is, uh, is, 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 is very important. I think there's a couple of things we can add on to how we can actually um, solve these issues. I think one critical issue is that some people find that if you hire, you know, the directors or other employees with the diverse backgrounds, the performance is not great as they expected. We have to look into carefully that why it is so too. So if you just decide based on their performance outcome, based on who they you hire, that you don't really solve this issue. One of my interview and uh, my data shows that when you have female CEO, that what's happening in 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 the decision room is that they come and check what she's doing. So there's a lot of double checking and monitoring to the you know the leaders who has different backgrounds. And so the efficiency is dropping, and then of course she's going to be self-doubting, right? 
as a performance drops. It's not because she's not talented. She doesn't have ability. So the, the identification of the codes is wrong. It's not about female director. It's more about the people who are supporting her, not trusting her, right? And so I think if the corporate is not identifying exactly where the problem is coming or the culture, they actually can support, you know, your leader as you normally do for your male leaders, that this is going to be a problem. So that has to be solved. Uh, the last thing is that, you know, the, it's not only about bring the diverse members into the corporation, what roles they are taking to. The game that's whether they're in the right places, whether they are in the powerful position, they can actually voice out. Otherwise, again, that you have in the picture, you look great with the diverse. But actually, in terms of voice, as Chirac mentioned, that it's not going to be diverse, then you really don't enjoy those benefit out of this diversity uh, achievement. So I think these two are something that the corporate has to be uh, pay carefully attention to when they're thinking about increasing the more diversity and any diversity in the corporate level. I, I, I agree. I think I think there's um, maybe maybe something as Heejung was talking that, that popped into my mind based on the the, the the comments she made around supporting. I think supporters of the necessity for, for the diversity, you've got to build a critical mass of advocates within the organization. And that critical mass has to go through the organization. It can't simply be one layer. So if it was the board and everyone gets it and is working towards it, the whole organization also needs to be, or the critical mass within that organization also needs to be on board. And sometimes difficult conversations need to be had for that to happen. And we've got to acknowledge that, you know, if you are trying to bring on board minorities, you are going to find some elements of the majority that don't understand why they are now being alienated. And so, you know, un- giving giving time to understand where people are coming from, but then also getting them to really get the reason for the journey. It's not about alienating groups. It's about making sure that the goals of the organization are met through being better representative of the, of the, of the, of the people and the audiences that we, we work with and that we serve. So, you know, those, those, those are, those are challenging conversations that, right? You've got to get into it though, right? They're, they're tough, but they're necessary. And I think that that breeds a little bit more openness and a bit more of that understanding space, which will then filter through to a supportive network that allows for those individuals to have a voice and identity and, and decision making power. So supporters are very critical. The study took into account a 17-year period. Do you get the sense things are slowly getting better? My observation is that things are definitely getting better. And we've both commented on this this journey being, you know, over multiple years. But uh but it's yeah, we're definitely seeing the right movements. The the fact that the conversations are much more open and and uh and mainstream now is a huge win if you think about it from a minority background um you know we are not where we want to be and you know i, I it's not going to happen tomorrow but uh but are we are we making progress and i feel positive about about that so if we were you know closing out as such on uh on like you know the the, the light at the end of the tunnel it's that 
you know, the conversations which were shied away from or even so unconscious that they weren't even happening. Uh, 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 it's no, no longer that is the, is the status quo. So we are, we are definitely moving into a place where awareness, understanding, recognition of situations is, uh, is going to become, uh, it, it, you know, is the driving force for change. I think equally, publications and you know the high profile nature of he jung's uh, research the fact that forbes is publishing excerpts and uh, and fortune where where i i found my link to to the article uh, came from you know this is these are these are important critical bodies of work that will inform further work and further research that will 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 form mainstay of thinking in uh, in in the corporate environments so you know Please continue. Please continue deep diving, Hijung. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you, Shirag. I think that um, that's very nice of you to saying that. Uh, and I'm actually I'm 100% with Shirag in terms of we are getting better. You know, where we are now compared to, you know, 10, 12 years ago, definitely board diversity is improved. There is no doubt about it. But compared to what we are making in terms of as F14 careers board diversity at corporate again, like, you know, you know, private investors like Goldman Sachs, and they now have their, um, you know, policy that at least one uh, director, uh, one director at the board should be from the minority backgrounds to be good, uh, to go to the public. Then those efforts still only 20% of the board members are women in the state. Racial minority is way worse. It's only around 12%, if I'm not wrong. And Europe, similar. And Asian country, as I said, it's, it's worse. But I think there is all, again, the confounding effect as, uh, Shrek mentioned before. So the, all the research efforts, the regulators and all corporate, you know, this is makers. Our goal is actually make it a little bit faster and greater impact. And how we can actually uh, move ahead, but with a little bit more speed and with a little bit more magnitude. In my data, we definitely see that there is growth in terms of the number of female and number of racial minority in U.S. board. But there is a lot of up and down. The why this down is happening. So we just wanted to make this down is not going to be too, too deep and bounce back quite quickly. And hence, we can actually see this you know, increase more faster, again, in greater uh, magnitude. Is it realistic to think that board diversity will one day trump the bottom line in terms of companies' priorities? It's not now. Not, no, not this moment. I think it's more about like music class, right? I mean, when you're facing an SAT and then your math score and English score is not very great, I mean, of course, you're not going to spend your time in the mask, uh, music class, right? And then when everything was well, your mom is allowing to actually go to take a piano lesson and violin lesson, etc. What is really pity is that diversity is seen this way in my view for now. I'm not saying that diversity should be prioritized. The company is a profit company, so they have to care about their shareholders' benefit, right? I want them to actually see the diversity in a different view, not as a part a priority versus it's a second priority and that's right. It's not about that. It's actually um, the strategy and good human resource allocation to make the company better. So let's remove the rank and see the, what's the best way to organize the human resource and their decision makers talent to make the company better for their shareholder. I think that's in that way, the diversity shouldn't 
be ignored uh, or seen as a music class. I love I love the analogy, Heejung. Um, you know, the bottom line has a neutralizing effect of opin- on opinions, right? You can have a feeling the business is doing well, but there's very few metrics that you can use to categorically define your results. And that neutralization of opinion can mean that metric is viable for many businesses, whether that's within your segment that you work in across competitors, across industries. So, you know, does the, does the emphasis of the bottom line go away? Probably not. But as a, as a leading indicator to the things that can really support growth of that bottom line and indeed the top line, um, you know, diversity should be more prominently featured in, in those leading metrics and leading indicators. So I think there's definitely room for, uh, for improvement in that, in that direction and, and further prioritization of diversity in terms of the metrics that lead to success. That concludes this Imperial Many Minds conversation. If you enjoyed it and want to explore this topic further, there's an article written by Dr. Jung that expands on the points covered during the discussion. You will find a link to the article in the description of the episode. Thanks to our guests, Dr. He Jung Jung and Business School alumnus Jira Gamin for sharing their knowledge and experiences. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us in this episode. Make sure to subscribe and share or search Imperial Many Minds to find out more. In the next episode, academic Chris Tucci and alumnus Cheng Lang Chan will be talking about the importance of digital transformation to business. The Imperial Many Minds podcast series is brought to you by Imperial College Business School. While others speculate on the future, Imperial College Business School's diverse minds are designing and building it. Imperial means intelligent business. This podcast was produced by Prong Productions. 